to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast, where we help you discover gospel clarity and openness in a new way by letting go of the culture and finding your truth while having some fun doing it. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Peck and Luann Roundy. Right, everyone, welcome back and welcome back. Here we are. If you've been following the podcast, you know that we have been on a slight hiatus for a couple of weeks and uh, we are back and excited to be back and it feels good and it feels weird, I think. <laughs> Maybe it's because you're weird. Maybe it it's because I'm weird. weird. I don't know. Life is weird. Let's just be honest about that. Uh, all kinds of things have been going on in our lives. Uh, we are just like everybody else. We have, we're human. We're human. We have issues and problems and uh, complications and families and vacations and all kinds of things that get in the way. And we just sort of went through a bit of a spurt with that. But uh, we, we certainly appreciate all of the uh, um, the reach out from, from all of you. Uh, we've had several people asking, when's the podcast coming back? Or, hey, I tried to listen this week and there wasn't an episode. What's going on? What are you guys? I've been waiting two weeks. What's happening? Uh, so uh, very grateful that um, people are uh, anticipating this and uh, find value in it. We've had some wonderful feedback from people. In fact, I just heard from a, uh, a woman this week. Uh, her name is Charlene. I hope she doesn't mind me uh, Give me a shout out. out. Ooh, it's a shout, shout out. out. It's a shout out. Maybe it's our first shout out. There you go. Uh, we can start doing those. Yes, we can totally do those. That's great. I love it. Um, she is a wonderful woman who uh, reached out to me, who stumbled across uh, the podcast and uh, had been listening to it. And she was just uh, telling me all about her experiences and how she's um, had uh, some difficult challenges with, uh, with a, a divorce and coming out of an abusive relationship and healing and rebuilding uh, both uh, emotionally and physically. She's had some physical issues that she's been dealing with and has overcome those and has uh, accomplished some great things in the past six months or so. And she, uh, you know, has just been uh, very close to Heavenly Father, and she's been receiving some wonderful uh, personal revelation about her situation and about moving forward with her life. And she uh, reached out to me and uh, just told me how the podcast had been a big help uh, for her to uh, kind of get through some of these times and and, uh, more importantly have some uh, self-awareness and realization about uh, where she's at and uh, you know it, it was just flattering to me to to receive this feedback and this is exactly why we do this podcast it's my goal and uh, you know it's maybe it's bold to claim that we would hope to change lives with the podcast and and uh, I think but I honestly think that's why people listen to podcasts they is they are looking for a change they're looking for inspiration they're looking for someone that can help them along their journey and I and that's really what it is is you know, here, let me lend you a hand in your journey. And that's, if we can do that, that's what we're here for. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, when it comes to changing lives, if, if you hear something on this podcast, anything, an idea or a comment or just a, some sort of a, something you can apply in your life, a technique or what have you, and you actually find value in that and apply it, that's changing your life because suddenly you are moving in a different direction or you have become self-aware or you have realized something that you hadn't realized before, and that changes you, even in a small way, but it's still a change, and that is uh, the kind of you know change that we're talking about. And 
uh, and it's just wonderful. And so I was uh, very, very humbled and uh, really touched that uh, that Charlene would reach out to me personally and uh, and send me a, a, a you know personal message about how the podcast has made such a positive impact in her life. We had a wonderful exchange and uh, made a new friend. And I'm very excited uh, about that and excited to continue on in her journey. And she's been now telling her friends about the podcast, uh, sharing it with them as well. We she go. feels that there's value for other people. And this is what it's all about. So uh, I want to just thank all of you for your continued support and uh, how much it means to both of us here that uh, this uh, little podcast does have value for people and encourage you to keep listening and sharing the podcast. And you're welcome to reach out uh, to us on social media uh, with comments or anything at all, feedback. Uh, We love it. We really do want to know that uh, the podcast is having an impact and making a difference with people and uh, and just uh, your stories and, and how we've influenced you in any way possible. Uh, it's it's a wonderful thing, and again, it's it's the purpose uh, for this podcast, and the whole reason it keeps us here every week to do this. And uh, so, thank you, Charlene, and um, that's our first shout out. All right. Wow, this is exciting. Good job. Thank you. It leads us right into our topic. <clears throat> wow. Let me just tell you, uh, it is worth the wait. I know you guys have been waiting a couple of weeks <laughs> for new episodes, but it is totally worth the wait. And uh, you're going to love me long time when you hear today's topic because it <laughs> I is. I haven't heard that phrase in a long time. I'm telling time, you what, Joe. it's it's that good. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's that good. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's something. I mean, we, you know, most of our topics are are topics that everyone needs to hear or deals with in their life or has relevance in some way. But this topic, uh, I think, kind of goes beyond that for everybody because it is, uh, let me just say, like the basis of our lives in a sense, because without this topic, our lives are a hot mess. And uh, many, many people struggle with all of this. They struggle with implementing this topic in their lives and don't know how to fix it. But uh, it is an aspect of every single part of our lives, and I'm talking about boundaries. Dun, dun, dun. Da, 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 and that's da. where our shout out Charlene comes in because someone who's gone through a divorce six months—that's a huge boundary. Having the um, courage, because boundaries take courage, and they're done out of faith and out of love, to be able to say, "I need to, to get divorced because this is abusive and it's not." serving me and I'm not finding joy and fulfillment and it's hurting me and that takes a lot of courage and a lot of faith to be able to do that but the resulting growth and joy that comes from it is indescribable and that's where she's at and it's scary at the same time but it's wonderful so it has like all these mix of emotions that go on with it but she's in this great new learning and growing phase I think that's where a lot of our podcast listeners that's what they're looking for in podcasts is I'm just not in this place of health and growth and, and fulfillment. And I'm looking for something to help me along the way. And that's where Joe and I talked about, let's do boundaries. And it's going to be a multi podcast because you really can't talk about boundaries in, in one podcast. And it's something like in therapy, I always teach every person and guarantee you every person has a struggle in some way, shape or form with boundaries. It's just not, it's not something that we necessarily like, um, and we'll kind of go into that, or something that comes easily, and it's an ongoing, ever-changing thing to do every day. It's constantly with us, for sure, and uh, it is a difficult um, topic. We're going to get into why it's so difficult and, and why people you know, 
don't understand that they need to set boundaries or why they try to set boundaries and are doing it the wrong way and it's not working. There's a lot to it. It's a really heavy topic. And uh, yeah, that's another first for the podcast. This is our first multi-episode topic. So we're very excited to bring that to you, and uh, it's, it's going to be a, a few episodes, I think, uh, looking at the, uh, the material that we have and, and the, uh, the, just the gravity that this topic has and the importance of it. We really want to get into uh, digging deep into each part of it and making sure that uh, it does provide value. And it was funny because, uh, speaking of Charlene again, I, uh, had, um, I, I mentioned to her after she told me her story that we were recording this episode about boundaries and it was just perfect timing because she has really suffered from I think from what I know anyway I'm assuming that she sort of suffered from not setting proper boundaries and uh, and then that all changed where she did set boundaries and got out of a bad relationship and she has uh, just um, kind of turned her her life around and has uh, you know she mentioned I, I, I want to say this part because it's it's kind of it's not really too personal, but it's it's personal to her. But it was a great accomplishment. She mentioned that uh, she uh, had um, she responded to my messages and, and had just come back from a uh, a 1.4 mile walk, is what she said. And that's not such a big deal, except uh, six months ago she couldn't even walk through the grocery store without using a cane and without being so tired that she was spent for the rest of the day. Could you imagine that? Just going out like that and being having that kind of effect. Mm-hmm. And now, six months later, she literally is out walking a mile and a half, no problem, and feels great. So whatever she has done in her life to to create uh, that change, uh, I think boundaries is a part of it because you set those boundaries and you make those decisions with yourself, which in decisions is one type of boundary. And we're going to get into to that as well. So uh, this is turning into the Charlene episode. So shout out to her once again. <laughs> but honestly, we're very, very happy and excited that um, she shared our story, her story with us. And uh, so glad that uh, that we can kind of share that success uh, with all of you. So, all right, let's kind of jump in to uh, boundaries. I know everyone's so excited to find out what Either am I doing that wrong? or they've turned us off at this point, yeah. one of the two. And that's okay. okay. And mean, that's, that's okay. That was a boundary okay. that uh, I'm exactly. just not going to listen to this today. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to this one. I don't need They're going to miss out. It's on, on something We don't great. need no stinking boundaries. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're gonna, we want to start off with kind of, um, before we even talk about boundaries and how to set them and what they are and what they look like, we, I think, need to kind of come back to where everyone is in their life right now where you may feel like you don't know how to set boundaries or you don't maybe don't even realize that you need to set boundaries or you you think you are but you 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 aren't or or you're you know you're just really frustrated with not having boundaries in your life and you don't know what uh what to do and i think let's let's rephrase that maybe into i'm frustrated but i don't know why i'm frustrated and it's a lack of knowledge that i don't realize that i don't have those healthy boundaries and that's where the frustration comes from It's feeling the frustration and then asking, okay, where am I experiencing this? Why is this manifesting and going, oh, because this person, I interacted with me this way or this event. And and I realized that if I would have had a boundary, then I wouldn't be in this frustrated, you know, have this, this frustration. I would feel peace or whatever the opposite is for you with that. And that's, again, listening. It, It starts with the awareness of the emotion. And that leads into the realization and awareness of the unhealthy boundary or a boundary that's been crossed. And that's why I'm hurt or angry or upset or frustrated. 
Thank you for translating that into therapy speak. There you go. For everyone out there. Uh, Free counseling here, you guys. This is, there's more, there's more value to this (laughs) podcast than you expect. I mean, this is something else. This is the real deal. Very nice. So, right. Okay. So here's, you know, you're probably uh, possibly in a situation where you are thinking that um, you're trying to live your life the right way. Like you've got, you've got your own goals. You've got your own mindset that you want to uh, accomplish certain things in your life and you're working towards that. And so we're not, when we say maybe you don't have boundaries in your life, you don't know how to set them. We're not saying that you're a bad person. We're not saying that you're lazy. We're not saying that you aren't doing anything or trying. You're absolutely, the problem is you're trying, like, like Luann said, right? You are trying and the frustration is coming from that. But, um, you know, in, in your mindset, you know, your, your goal is to live your life the right way. You do your best and you give everything to everybody, but it isn't working. You may have deep spiritual or emotional pain or even physical, and you may feel helpless or confused or guilty. I feel like your life is out of control, right? Mm -hmm. This is what happens when you don't have boundaries, proper boundaries set in your life. And so if you're feeling any of those things, keep listening, because we are here to provide the answers to that for sure. So what does that look like in your life though? Um, the, uh, so a big problem, first of all, is people try really hard, right? People will try very hard to make things work and, and get things to work that the way they, the way they want them to work, but they, uh, they don't do that. Another type of, uh, behavior is, uh, people are being nice out of fear. Right. Because they don't want they're afraid that if they set a boundary, for example, that right. people, the are people will not like them not and like that them. they will leave them. That's a huger one is that it's I want to be liked. I want to be loved. I want to be connected. And I'm afraid if I set a boundary, you will leave me and I'll be alone. And it's better to have something than nothing. Um, but the, and that's the difficult part is people and they see themselves as mean. Like if I set a boundary with someone, that means that I mean and it's done out of love. And I, as we delve into this, it's an understanding that sure, it may be difficult and the person may be hurt by the boundary that I'm setting, but that's for them to own and then feel that and gain an understanding. We're back to that again of why they're hurt because it really has everything to do with what they're choosing and what they're doing. And that's the only way they're going to learn. And that's where the great learning environment presents itself into this is by setting the boundary that person then learns and grows from it. And that's why it's done out of out of love. Yep, absolutely. Uh, it is. That's a uh, fear is such a huge, motivator. huge motivator. It's, it's one of the biggest things out there that really cripples people and, and, and changes their behavior. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things you'll learn on, on this, uh, this whole, um, series of, uh, of boundaries, uh, issues and or boundaries episodes rather is that, um, you know, you're, uh, it's okay to, to be able to set these boundaries and, uh, it's, uh, you're, you're actually being a good person. You're being, uh, you know, someone who is uh, actually setting responsibilities uh, for yourself and uh, doing the, the right thing. You're, you're going to be much happier with that. And getting rid of this fear is, is uh, actually boundaries will help you with all of that. So another uh, problem that people find themselves in is being a people pleaser. And uh, speaking of that, Charlene actually told me that she's a was a professional people pleaser mm, <laughs> through her marriage. I think maybe a lot of us have been people pleasers. Oh, yeah. and it's that's terrible. But, but it's hard because as a child, so let's, let's go into that for just a second. So there's a little bit more of an understanding in that one. As children, we often grow up becoming people pleasers because we love our parents. We want to please our parents because there's this 
this anomaly that happens, and it happens in every family, and parents probably just aren't aware of it, that whenever your child pleases you, you tend to love them more, give them more attention, and praise them in that way. So this child feeds off of that, that, oh, I pleased my parents, and so now they really love me. Whereas if I do something that displeases my parents, they, they cut their love off. They don't love me or accept me as much. And I just want, we're back again, I just want to be loved and accepted or liked by someone. And so we fear setting these boundaries with our parents because then, then they don't see me as this lovable person or they cut their love off. So let's use an example, like teenagers are probably the most difficult because they're the ones that are pushing boundaries and that's good. You want your teenagers to say, oh, here's the boundary. I'm going to push against this a little bit because I'm starting to gain my own awareness of myself. I spent most of my teenage years grounded because I pushed boundaries. So yeah, that's a very good example. (laughs) Joe may push a few boundaries even now, like, "Eh, there's a boundary. I may, oh, uh, I pushed it. Nah, that wasn't yeah. a good idea. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. how you learn. But, but you want them to do that because that's how they learn and grow. If they never push against the boundary, they never find where their boundary is. And that's, that's an important piece for them to, that's the teenage years. Here are my boundaries. How do I know that? Well, because I screwed up. I made a mistake and I realized that's not what I want to do. So let's say that your teenager, we'll just use a a frivolous one, that you have a girl and she wants to wear short shorts because for some reason, parents I work with, this is a big deal, short shorts. And that's the boundary that they want to push. And you frown on that. And every time your daughter, well, your son could walk in short short shorts too. Let's be honest. It could be either one, but (laughs) I'm just. (laughs) Nowadays, that is very true. This is the world we live in. Back in my day, no, you'd just be beaten if you did try that. Yeah. It's a whole different story now. Shaming would, (laughs) unmerciful shaming would have happened in our day at that point. But let's say you have a daughter. She wears the short shorts. She comes out. And you do the entire, remember, nonverbal's our biggest one, frowning, grouchy, slumped over, angry face, you know, what do you have on? The stink Why eye. They call it the stink oh, eye these yeah. days. Well, you know, the, all of us know the look from our parents. It's the, oh, yep. And that's where we feel that cut off from love of this. Okay, so now we're going to move into some healthiness. This girl thinks her body is amazing and beautiful, and she believes that by wearing short shorts, or maybe her friends are wearing them, could go either way, but let's say that she's pretty healthy in it, that she really has some great assets. And that was a joke. Uh I know. There we go. Uh Oh, I'm, I'm teetering on the Joe level at this point, but she has these and she feels really good about her body and that it accentuates it. And she comes out feeling amazing. And then her parents are, are just so upset and down and you can't wear that. And that's, you know, being a hussy and they have these words that are very shaming words and labeling words. And they try to set this boundary with her, but in all honesty, that's not their boundary to set. As sure you dress your kids when they're little, but as they get to be teenagers, you got to let them choose what they're going to wear and what the consequences of that will be. It's the only way they're going to learn. So when, uh, first of all, I know a woman has great assets. Uh, (laughs) See, I moved to the Joe level and he just builds on it. I'm extremely proud that I've had such a good influence on you. You're finally (laughs) coming over to the dark side and thinking the way I think. Thanks, Darth Vader. Yes, absolutely. Uh, For sure. (laughs) Happy to do that. And hopefully uh, this podcast will have that same effect (laughs) on people. That's asking too much. However, uh, yes, no, I know it's uh, definitely, and and, you know, this woman is very, very healthy and uh, feels exactly the way that you're. Now, she's not a teenager, but uh, she um, does 
understand what you're talking about, and, and I've seen that in her, and that's a very attractive quality and, and, and very healthy as well. Uh, but um, let me see. Oh, yeah. So we're talking about uh, that's very interesting that you say to let teenagers dress the way they want and understand the consequences, learn the boundaries from all of that. How many fathers and mothers, especially, you know, in the LDS culture too, I mean, you see your teenager going to a party, dressed in short shorts or, you know. And, and when I say and, and short what shorts, do they say? I'm not talking well, distasteful to no, the point where it's. Your butt's hanging out or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just talking shorter shorts than maybe what they're used to wearing. But again, it's something that they feel beautiful in and they maybe feel like they fit in a little bit more or maybe they just, and again, it's letting them feel and experience, okay, I'm going to do this. But once they go just to fit in, maybe they feel uncomfortable because it wasn't really the experience that they thought it was going to be. Right. Maybe they, they really, right. They realized wearing short shorts didn't give them what they wanted. Maybe they wanted more attention from a certain boy and they didn't get it. Maybe they thought, oh, I'm going to wear this and I'm just going to feel fabulous. And they didn't, but maybe they did. But it's again, this learning and growing because they're aware and they're gaining experience and in a safe environment, because really that's a safe kind of experiment to do there really isn't going to be any harm from wearing shorts to a party and but it helps them to gain an understanding in their world that they will now take and be able to apply to other things by letting them choose and not if parents that set all the boundaries for their kids or make all their choices for their kids are not raising kids that learn how to choose and learn how to be who they really are and that's where boundaries and we'll talk about you don't set other people's boundaries you give them, I, I, I teach them correct principles and let them govern themselves. And that's what Joseph Smith said, and it's been repeated over and over. How do you get your people to do these things? I teach them correct principles because inside they will always feel as long as you've taught them to be in tune with that and letting them to make those decisions and make those mistakes is, is how they learn boundaries. I think everybody out there, I want to issue a challenge to share this podcast episode with any Mormon people you know who have teenagers <laughs> and let them listen to this because I think we all know, and this is a cultural thing, right? This it is. is. This We're is back my, to my the culture. Yeah, this is my cultural soapbox uh, rant for today. Uh, but um, how many parents, uh, especially LDS parents, but even parents in general, because we all know the cliche of, you know, you, you, a boy comes to the door to pick up your teenage daughter and you stand up with a shotgun and you, you know, you, you put on this whole thing and you threaten them, all these kinds of things. Uh, that, that's sort of a thing how people, people feel, especially if they, if they have a beautiful teenage daughter, I think fathers feel like they have to do that because they are worried. And this is, again, is an insecurity thing. This is a non-trust issue, but they think that something's going to happen, that a daughter's going to let something happen or make a bad choice. But how many, you know, when a daughter walks downstairs in shorter shorts and maybe a crop top or something like that, uh, and she wants to go out with her friends, how many parents send their daughter back upstairs to change, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's what happens. And that's, you know, I, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting kind of thing. I don't know if that's a, a failure on the parents' part, if that's an insecurity with the parents, but they're not thinking in terms of letting them set their own boundaries. So let's go into that. It is, it's a, it's a fear of the parents. Let's go back. Remember how you talked about fear being a powerful motivator? Yeah. Because the parents have made this story up in their heads. And the fear is if I let my daughter go out, in this, she's going to attract the wrong kind of attention. She's going to get involved with the wrong kind of boy. Things are going to happen that are negative and it's going to end up in a negative experience. They don't know that because you don't. And, and ask yourself as a parent, how many silly mistakes have I made in my life? Because I guarantee you every parent out there, we've all done it. We've all gone out and made those mistakes and you go, 
Okay, I learned. Let your kids learn also. You teach them correct principles about why do you know wh- why we wear clothing? What is clothing? What are our bodies for? Our bodies are these wonderful, amazing things that we honor and that we have this power with. We talked about virtue and power, and that they have this amazing ability to draw people to us. But how is that energy being used? Am I going to draw them to me by wearing things that attract them in a sexual way? Or am I going to wear things that accentuate things that I have and being able to say, wow, look, that woman or girl has this amazing energy or power that she feels very sure about herself, or she has a certain energy of that she loves herself and has, and, and I want to talk to her. Why? Cause she's an amazing person. And, and it's, uh, having them understand what I'm drawing to myself through the way that I present myself, which is, in, that is an important thing in all aspects of life. If you're going to go to a job interview, what you wear speaks volumes. If you're going out on a date, what you wear, you know, will tell the person kind of where you're at and what the activity is going to be and helping kids to understand that in, in the way that they can. It is. And, and this is where the, the, you know, again, the culture falls short because of the, the programming and everything. And so we have standards in the church. You know, modesty, again, is just drilled incessantly into people's minds from birth. And it's not, you know, modesty isn't a bad thing in itself, but the, the way the culture handles it and programs people and uses shame and guilt and fear to make people, you know, dress modestly and all these things, it's not right. And it, it creates a problem. And so you have parents who've been programmed that way when they excuse me when they initially see their daughter wearing shorter shorts you know in their mind it's like well the standard is the shorts have to come to your knee and uh, you know you have to cover up this and you have to cover up your shoulders and all these kinds of things you know this this whole cultural programming just triggers this fear for them and they immediately tell their daughter to go change and I think it's more uh, again the, the the fear is coming from how it's going to blow back on them people are afraid of what other people are going to think. Of the judgment. Of the judgment. If right. they see, oh, so-and-so's daughter was at this party. My daughter was there, and I saw the pictures you know, on Instagram, and she was wearing these short shorts, and her husband's the bishop or whatever. The, you know, and that's, we've got to and talk that again about is, that. You know? Right, the unhealthy judgment. Yeah, terrible. That it's not for that person to set the boundary for someone else's child. But or, the, the problem is the parents are worried about this judgment right. because they, they are worried about what other people think of them, which is total shite like you should not be worried about what other people think of you at all it's not their business it's not their place especially it's not their place to set ju- to set boundaries but by judging you they are setting the boundary aren't they well they're setting they're trying to set the boundary through through shaming right and that's where again as parents let's go back to the example of the parent i'm shaming my daughter through my nonverbal and through my verbal that your body is not beautiful you need to follow these these guidelines and the church does have guidelines and again they're guidelines to choose and they're not a bad thing but they're guidelines no they're wonderful they're guidelines to choose what you want to do and it doesn't shame within the guidelines it doesn't say and if you choose to not follow these guidelines you're going to hell it doesn't that's not the way that's not what you're that's what the culture teaches that's the impression works. yeah right it does that's the that's the subtext of all the programming i find uh, and, and that's a, that's a, a huge problem, and, and uh, you know that that is um, you know the, the big concern. This again goes back to the checklist. When when uh, you know when when people are saying uh, you know like you, like you're saying, uh, if if you um, 
you know, if your body's beautiful, you shouldn't show it off, right? And they're, they're not necessarily saying you don't have a, a beautiful body, but they're just so programmed to follow the checklist. So it always comes back to this the, checklist, the checklist where it's like, oh, no, no, we have to dress modestly. So it doesn't matter how you look or who you are or how you feel about yourself. You have to dress modestly because that's what's expected. And that's what God wants. And if you love God, you'll do that. And if you're a virtuous woman, you'll do that. And all this crap that, I mean, again, those things are good, but they're the way that they're presented and the way that they're uh, made to feel it's wrong. Through negativity. Yeah, Again. completely. So if the parents come down in shame, then they're withdrawing their love. And the person. And so let's talk about why the child would go back upstairs. Number one, they may not be allowed to leave the house. Number two, they don't like to feel that their parents have withdrawn their love and their acceptance of them. And if you withdraw your acceptance from your kid because of the choices that you, they make, you have now put enmity or this, this wall between you and them because they're going to screw up. I've raised four teenagers. They all screwed up. I screwed up as a teenager, some more than others. And it's being able to love them and telling them. So they walk downstairs and just explaining, you look, you know what? I, you look great. You have a beautiful body. Whatever you choose to be able to do that is, you know, we love our bodies that God blessed us with. Let's take it right back to the core of what it is. We've been blessed with these amazing things and, and using them for what the purpose of God gave us to live here on this earth, to be fulfilled, but not to act in unhealthy ways. And if they realize, oh, well, the reason I wore this is maybe because I want to get attention in an unhealthy way. Again, the only way they do that is by experiencing it. That's where they'd make the choice of, "Mm, I don't know if I really want to do that again. Exactly. And, uh, you know, you know, modesty is a relative term. And unfortunately, the, you know, again, coming back the, the, the culture of the church will, um, will, will basically give the impression that there's only one, like modesty means one thing. There's one definition of modesty. We all have to dress the same way, right? We all have to cover up our bodies in, in every way. And that might not jive with somebody. Someone might be very willing to wear short shorts or willing to wear a bikini top or something, uh, you know, around uh, the yard or even um, wherever, right? Or, or just wearing something that's, uh, you know, a sleeveless or, or whatever the case is or where it shows your midriff. And they may feel that they're being modest. Right. They may. And that's their choice. That's the problem is we have this this mindset. And, we, and we've talked about this in earlier episodes where, you know, the culture of the church is perpetuating a version of Satan's plan where it means meaning that there is just one solution. There's only one way to go. We all follow the same path, and then we're all going to be saved. And that's simply not true. That's not how it was at all. This is an infringement of agency. And, you know, yes, they're your children, and yes, you are in charge of them and responsible for them, but especially as teenagers, they need to be exercising their own agency. They need to be making their choices for themselves. And if they want to dress in a way that they feel is modest, but it shows off, uh, you know, their, their beauty and their, and their bodies. And it's, again, it's not trashy, right? That's, there's a, a there's line a diff- here, but there's, there's a, a difference. difference right? of appropriateness. Right. Even, even whenever kids come to mutual, mutuals, the, the activity during the week that youth get together, which is so important for them to interact in this healthy, you know, in doing things together and learning from each other. They had a volleyball game before, and they come in their volleyball uniform, which is short shorts, because that's what's appropriate for the sport. They come. Okay, that's it's an appropriate thing, because that's where I've just come from. Okay, there's not something that's a shaming, judgmental thing. And, and it's interesting, whenever we talk about this, I go into, okay, if we look at this in an eternal realm, whenever we no, no longer have bodies, and we're in this spiritual realm, and we can see each other spiritually for who we are, clothing isn't even going to matter. 
And if you think about it, angels that come, their their robes, they have nothing on underneath their robe. They talk about that. Just like in the hospital. <laughs> it's not quite the same. So if you look at an angel from behind, can you see their bum? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Just like the hospital robes? Are they but, the same? But it's interesting is they describe them like they'll say the robe was open at the breast and you could, it's not, the body is never looked at as something that has to be you know, it's shameful or is covered because it, we're seen for who we are on the inside and there, and clothing is unimportant at this point. There's no designer. There's no Oscar de la Renta robes, you know, like in heaven. It's, it's <laughs> they're better. It's yeah. Joe's going to be severely disappointed. He'll have a state 48 robe yeah. on or something no, like that. Any fashion in, in heaven. That's like, that's disappointing. <laughs> that's gonna be disappointing because it's really who we are on the inside. And that's what we want our kids to feel and experience is wear something within the parameters that are set that is appropriate that you feel, rep- you know, who is who you are. And, and there's the boundaries. The boundaries are parameters that are set. You wear this to church. You wear this to volleyball. You wear this to work out at the gym. You wear this to swim in. You don't wear a swimsuit or that type of thing to other places. Like you don't run around in that. And that's teaching them appropriateness for each activity. Right, and that's what's lost um, in people's minds uh, from the culture, right? I mean, it really is. They just think that... You know, showing your body, showing your midriff or whatever is inappropriate. And so how many women uh, or, you know, you know, women or their daughters, they, they're told that you have to wear like a one-piece bathing suit at the beach. Like a bathing suit at the beach is very appropriate. It is. A bikini is very appropriate at the beach. It's not appropriate at the store necessarily. It's not appropriate at church, right? It's not appropriate in other places, but it's very appropriate at the beach or at a pool or anywhere that you would be swimming or doing any of those kinds of activities. So... You know, but the, again, the shaming comes in where it's like, well, yeah, you can wear a bathing suit to the beach, but you can't wear a bikini because that shows too much and blah, blah, blah. You have to wear a one piece. And same thing with the volleyball analogy. I'm sure there's always at least one or two parents who make their daughters wear, you know, like like spandex biker shorts or something that's longer is cause, because someone's feeling like, oh, these volleyball right. shorts are too short and that's inappropriate or immodest. I want the world to know how much we're, we're holding to our standards regardless of what other people think. That's that whole kind of crazy mindset that I have to show the world that I'm righteous. And, and that's the interesting part about wearing your religion on the outside as opposed to the inside. And as we talk about the LDS culture, we, we wear our sacred symbolism on the inside. We don't wear robes on the outside. We aren't showing who we are on the outside that we keep that internal because it's sacred to us. And it's the same thing. If that's what your volleyball uniform is, you don't need to wear something different because you know who you are on the inside. You know what your morals and values are and wearing a pair of volleyball shorts doesn't change that. It doesn't. I think you're referring to our magic underwear. Yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah. But that's but it's interesting because many people wear their symbolism on the outside and most they, religions do. Right? They do, and it's an outward whether it's the color or the, the symbols uniform. that are the uniform and the Catholic Church is very steeped in that. And again, I honor that. That's where their traditions are. That, but we keep ours very sacred and mm-hmm. and very um, on the inside, and and that's a, a different understanding. And if we can teach our children that, doesn't matter what you wear, you keep your morals and values the same. Just because I wear a two piece doesn't mean that I have loose morals and values. That's no, that's what the culture will, will teach you for sure. So an interesting point, though, speaking of of that, because uh, you know I've seen interviews before where people have asked Mormons um, why they wear 
you know, why we have our garments versus why don't we wear, you know, like a shirt or something on the outside. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very interesting answer. And, and you know, the, the, the people who do that are, are you know, the priests and, and, uh, and pastors and people like that. Um, they're full-time in their church, and they usually get paid by their church for that. Uh, the LDS Church is a, is a lay church, right, meaning that everyone volunteers. Everyone volunteers to work at the church, to make it go around. We all have callings and things like that. And so nobody really gets paid to be in the church, so we all have to have jobs and careers and businesses. So the, um, the, the emblem of our religion is our garment, which is worn underneath as underwear, basically, uh, versus a priest. When you see a priest walking down the street or whatever, you see the, the black robe, right, or the white, nun, the white or some, nuns. Right. Like you know right away what they are. Right. Because what they wear on the outside is an outward manifestation of their faith, and it's and, an emblem of their faith. And their inward commitment to God. Right. But our, our garments are an inward commitment to God that we are on the inside, that we don't need other people to see that because no. our lives reflect that in our, in our behavior. behavior. That's right. true. But also, we also do have to go about our daily lives and we have to wear uniforms. We have to wear certain things sure. to our jobs and to our businesses, suit and tie, whatever we have to wear, wherever we're going. So we can't have an outward garment, you know, about our religion. Some religions do, I think like Muslims do. They all kind of, you know, wear a lot of things outwardly and they just work that way. And that's, that's what they wear. But it's different for us. If you have to wear a uniform to your work, um, I think that's a big reason why we have it on the inside as well, because we still have that obligation and that responsibility to go out and, right. you know. and, and the deeper, if you listen, it, there's a great, um, explanation on LDS.org. You can look up Mormon garments or I think it actually Magic says, underwear. well, it may not, not say a, that. It doesn't say that. Okay. It doesn't quite, you know, go into that realm, but it's, but it talks about how the reason we wear them on the inside is because of their sacredness. And that's the same reason that you hold a temple recommend and only those who hold those can enter the temple because it's a sacred place. It's that same idea and that it's written on the tables of our heart, which is a scripture, you know, the fleshy tables of your heart. That's, and that's why it's an inward manifestation. We don't need to show it on the outside. We need to live it. And it's more of a deep commitment than it is just a, hey, I'm showing the world who I am. And they give an, an, a really great explanation of that. And, and I really honor that and, and believe that, that it's my true deep inward commitment that's important. It's, it is. And that's what I've noticed as a convert to, you know, growing up Catholic and seeing uh, other, other, you know, faiths that way. Everything, it's, it's very worldly based in, in a lot of ways. I don't want to, I don't, I don't mean to say that people are bad or, or, or you know, selfish or anything like that, but it's, it's just a different mindset. They, they uh, you know, when you're looking at, at our faith and our, our church, it's very much a personal thing and it's very much about your relationship with God. It's not about showing other people who we are or, or you're trying to impress other people with anything like that or or gain any kind of attention whatsoever. It's very much internal. And mm-hmm. that was a big difference that I noticed. And uh, it's just it's just a different way to go. I mean, again, people in other faiths aren't uh, wrong or bad about anything because of the way they do things. It's right. just a different mindset. So, so let's even go into that for a second. And and the garment which we wear represents the boundaries that we have agreed to yes, within the it temple. It does. And that's what's so sacred and righteous about it is the covenants which are boundaries, right? There are agreements between God and I, and it's, it's God's boundaries that he has set. And I have agreed with him that I will keep. And that's a representation of those covenants and boundaries that I make. And I wear it as a reminder and a protection every day. Really the garment is just an, it's a boundary. It's a, it's an it agreement to this boundary that is very sacred. And, and it helps me to remember every day because of 
wearing it and because of of keeping that commitment. That's a very, very strong boundary for sure. It's a great example of, of boundaries. And we're going to get into to that as well because I don't think people quite realize, you know, what other boundaries there are out there. And, and you do have boundaries in your life. We'll, we'll go through those examples. But uh, only about half of members of the LDS Church, uh, I think that's about right, that actually wear garments and make those covenants. And, and I don't what know do think? the statistic. We'll have to That's look that up. That's what I heard. The last I heard was about half. Okay. Um, well, I heard that about half pay tithing, and so that would probably That would be one of, because follow. that's one of the boundaries. It's is one of the boundaries, yeah. I need to be a full tithe payer, meaning 10%, which comes out of the Old Testament, to be able to... It comes out of your bank account. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> the concept of tithing comes from the Old Testament. There are other religions that tithe also. Yeah. But that 10% is stated in there, and that is one of the requirements or boundaries that we give back to God to be able to be able to enter the temple. That's an easy one also. It is, yeah. It's very easy to... to uh to, to, to do and, and to, to, to measure, right? It's, it's very right. black and white on that, which is, which is cool. And uh, it's interesting because people will, I mean, the first reaction is they think, well, how do you survive, you know, giving like 10% of your gross income? How do you pay your bills with that? And, and people instantly think about the, uh, the money, the financial side of it. But it's not about uh, money in any way, believe it or not. Uh, God doesn't need your money. Uh, it's about faith. And uh, so the question, the, the reason that people pay tithing or don't pay tithing is how they answer this question. And the question is, do you have faith to believe that you can live on 90% of your income and God will make up the difference? And if you answer yes to that, then you pay tithing. And if you answer no to that, then you don't pay tithing because you feel like you need the money. And it's all about money versus the faith. And so it depends on your your, your judgment with that. But that's a very uh, strong boundary, and it's it's a great boundary. And I can tell you from experience, as we both know, that it uh, brings tremendous blessings uh, to your life. Uh, and, and, you know, many successful people like Tony Robbins, for example, will always say, hey, give some of your money right. to charity. Right? That, that's a big part of it. Most successful people are very generous and philanthropic in their – they understand the importance importance of giving back and, and giving things away. However, um, okay, so we'll, before we get into more examples of boundaries, um, I just want to kind of set the stage just slightly here to, to set the mindset because this is, this is one of the big takeaways that uh, I think this episode has for everybody. So first of all, we're talking about uh, things that you're trying that don't work. So we mentioned trying, you're trying harder and harder. You're being nice out of fear. You're being a people pleaser. You're also taking responsibility for others. That's mm-hmm. another big thing. All these things people do in, in, uh, you know, in an effort to set boundaries, but the, um, the, the problem is uh, that you're suffering from an inability to take ownership of your own life, and that's kind of where it all starts, I think. And that really is why we came here to this earth, is to have ownership of our own life, right. to be responsible, to have consequences, and to be able to say, yes, this is who I am and what I've created, and that will determine whether I return to live with God because of the boundaries that I set. And people, again, say, well, that's not loving to set that boundary, but it is. And it's, and it's having the courage and the faith and knowing that that, and again, going into your knowingness or that spiritual center, that this will help me to live a happier life because of the choices that I make from this boundary. Yeah, it, it is. It's, um, it's just, it's, it really is a big mindset thing. This is where we want to kind of go with this and help you get, um, you know, kind of straight in your mind about what boundaries are and how you can set them because, um, and it's okay to set them, and you'll start to realize the benefits that come from setting boundaries. And it really is um, a big part of it is is understanding what is our responsibility and what what isn't our responsibility. Right? We will take on things for other people that are not our responsibility because we're afraid to set that boundary with someone, for example. And so it's really a matter of first of all understanding what is your responsibility and. Uh, 
and, and, and what isn't, and then being able to, uh, to really set those boundaries and understand uh, kind of t- where to take it from there. Right. So the boundary is what is me and what's not me? What is my responsibility? What is not my responsibility? So let's go back to the teenager thing. I am responsible for my children. They're under the age of 18. I'm responsible for them in certain ways, but I am not responsible for their choices. Let's see, many people would argue that, wouldn't they? Many members of the church would argue that again. That you're not, right? again, many but, parents but their choices are their choices, and that's how they learn. And up until the age of eight, you know, that's again the belief that that's whenever they are baptized and now they are responsible for their choices because that's how they're going to learn and grow. So they make a choice, they have the responsibility to be what for what the consequence is mm-hmm. of that choice. Right, but parents won't let them. My, my parents are always afraid to let me choose because, again, coming back to the, the Catholic mindset, um, they think, hey, if I don't let you choose, then you can't choose wrong and you're not going to go to hell. So we're saving Right, you. but that's based out of fear again. Completely. But that doesn't understand the atonement because, again— It doesn't again, understand agency either. Agency either. But, and and it, a lot of parents feel that way. I'm going to choose for you because then you won't feel hurt. And this is how I love you. I'm going to choose for you so you don't get hurt. Right, and that's not— healthy and that's and that's where those boundaries come in this is mine this is yours and and the thing that happens though is the the kids make mistakes and then the parents don't want them to hurt and so they cover up for them or they solve the issue and I tell them don't do that let them experience it don't call in and excuse their tardy they were tardy they got out of bed late and if they have a consequence well then they have sometimes they have ninth hour they have to stay after school and they can't play their basketball game wonderful They've just learned, I don't get to play basketball today because I was late to school. They're not going to be late to school again if basketball matters to them. Exactly. That's what it is. It's, it's all about that. And, you know, you're not hurting your child. They, ex- right? they feel hurt. But they're not, wonderful. not harming them, though. No, you're not harming them. It's wonderful that that hurts because it will tell them, I don't want to do this again. If they don't have that hurt, they go... I can totally be late. My mom's going to call and excuse me. And I don't care if I, I can sleep. still play basketball. I'm going to sleep in every exactly. day. Exactly. Didn't teach him a thing. Nope. Exactly. Yep. So, and that's, that's where parents struggle because I mean, that's, that's concerning to them. It's like, Hey, my child won't go to school and they're missing class and I can't control it. And they don't care. And they don't listen to me. And this is where a parent is struggling with boundaries with all that. Right. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about some of the questions that you probably are asking yourself when you're considering setting boundaries, these are, you know, questions that go through our minds that a lot of them are based in fear and a lot of them are just based in lack of knowledge and understanding of boundaries, but they stop us from actually setting boundaries. See if if any of these are familiar. So first of all, can I set limits and still be a loving person? Yep. Did Jesus set limits and was he still a loving person? Yes and yes. Yes. I believe so. Okay. There's your answer. What are legitimate boundaries? That's a good question. Right. It is. Right. It's hard to understand what are the boundaries because you're wor- I think you're worried when you ask yourself that you might be worried about what is the other people right. person going to think if I set a boundary. And ultimately the answer to that legitimate boundaries are mine to set. And the problem is people want to set them for others. Like, um, I don't like you anymore. I want you to leave. I can't set that boundary because it's your choice to leave. I can leave. I don't like you. I'm leaving. Perfect. But I can't tell others what to do. So one thing, um, and this is, a, this is a, I think, just speaks specifically to that. And this is something I learned, uh, and I'm not you know, afraid to be vulnerable here in, in a recent relationship. Um, and uh, this was just to the credit of this amazing woman 
who uh, was very healthy and, and or is very healthy and, uh, and taught me a lot uh, about this and specifically about boundaries. But um, she, you know, one thing w- with her was uh, being honest, which of course I know and, and something that is super important in any kind of relationship, uh, regardless of what type it is. But uh, the idea is being completely honest and not worrying about how it's going to affect the other person. It might hurt them. The truth might hurt someone else, right? They may not want to hear it. They may not like it. But not telling them is going to end up in a lot worse uh, you know, results down the road. But the idea was, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you the truth about how I'm feeling, what I've done, what I want to do, whatever's going on. And I'm going to leave the decision with you as to whether you want to stay in this relationship or go or whatever. But I'm going to be honest about everything I've done. And that doesn't mean all bad things or anything like that, but just being honest about decisions you make or whatever you've done or how you feel. And then let that other person decide. So you're setting that boundary with that person. It was like, you know, I am going to be honest with you. And if you decide that you don't like that, then you're free to go, but it's your choice. I'm not mm-hmm. taking that choice away from you. Very, it was it was great, and it's something that I'm you know applying moving forward with with every relationship. I think that's how we should all treat each other like that. It's very healthy that way. And and even in a marriage, that I'm being honest with you, it may hurt you, but this is really where I'm at. And if and and it's hard because you want to be one with your partner you want to be you know like a united front but sometimes that isn't always going to be the truth and it's okay to disagree and it's okay to say this is how I see it and this is how you see it maybe we can just both look at it and say there is no right or wrong because most of the time there isn't a right or wrong in it in the decision it's simply that that's the decision that I made Yep, exactly. And I'm going to learn. People are afraid to make those decisions because of, uh, of you know, they, they just worry about how other people are going to feel. But you can't live your life that way because you'll never be happy. You'll be so frustrated all the time. Okay, some other questions you might be asking yourself. What if someone is upset or hurt by my boundaries? Well, we just talked about that. Um, that's their choice, right? Right. That, that's, that's, you can't worry about how they're going to react because that, that turns you into a people pleaser. If you're constantly trying to please everyone, you'll never, ever be happy. So you have to not even think about that. You have to just set the boundaries that are important to you and, and you determine which ones they are. How do I answer someone who wants my time, love, energy, or money? Okay, well, that's, again, setting boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. We have to do all that. Um, why do I feel guilty or afraid when I consider setting boundaries? That's a good question. That's I think that's a really forefront. great, very introspective question of why do I feel guilty if I tell my child no? Do I have the right to say no to that request? Is it my legitimate right to say no to that? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting. The guilt often plays back into my own frailties and my own lack of of um, feeling like that I have the right to do that, which tells me that I, I need to set that boundary even more. Well, absolutely, it is. And um, this is, again, it's all a mindset. You know, we keep coming back to the, any issues with boundaries. It's, it's because of mindsets, because of fear and things. And that's kind of our goal and why we're sort of setting the foundation for boundaries right now in this episode is just to help kind of realign that mindset and help you understand that um, you completely control this. And boundaries are a very, very good thing, a very healthy thing. And people will appreciate it, and if they can't, then you know they maybe don't belong in your in your life, or you need to change your relationship with them, whatever. But then you'll know. How do boundaries relate to submission? That's an interesting question. Ah, uh, that's interesting. Any thoughts mm. come to mind? Submission is an interesting word. Um, if someone's setting a boundary with me, I'm not necessarily submitting to them. 
because it's my choice of what I want to do. And it's their boundary. If, as long as it's their right to have that boundary, um, if they're trying to set a boundary for me, then I wouldn't submit to it because they don't have the right to do that for no, me. No, but maybe you feel like if I do set a boundary, I'm forcing that person to submit to my will. Mm, that's not right. That's I'm not just, right, I'm, though. They I'm, choose. No. They I'm just wondering still, if that's what people are thinking yeah. when, they, when they ask themselves that question. Maybe that is, that's what they're thinking. That's a deep question. Yeah. And, and it really is that they still have the choice of whether they choose to honor that boundary or not. And if they don't choose to honor it, depending on what it is, you can choose to then not have anything to do with them. And that would be family included. If they choose to be unhealthy over and over and hurt you and abuse you, and people are like, abuse is such a hard word. Well, it's a hard word, but it's often true. Um, I had a session this week, and they told me something, and they go, I don't like the word abuse. It's too harsh. And I said, but that is abuse. And it's hard to call a spade a spade sometimes. Mm -hmm. But um, at that point, you, you set that boundary, and you say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, so again, submission really is, is not uh, what you're doing. It's choosing. Right. I think that's maybe just a question people ask because they don't understand. It's a good question. Yeah, it is a great question, but you know, they, I think they, again, that comes from fear where people just worry that I might be, um, you know, setting a boundary and forcing people to submit, or maybe I'm submitting to the fact that I have to set a boundary. Well, let's even go into wives. Like many times wives will feel like they need to submit to their husband and be meek and submissive. And that is again, um, not a boundary or not a healthy thing. You don't need to submit to your husband. You are equal in all ways to your husband. And it's having a voice and a choice in those things and being able to say to him, this hurts me, or I don't agree with that. And, and there is no, again, right or wrong most of the time in those agreements. It's just an ability to say, well, you see it one way and I see it the other and agree to disagree or agree that, but, but you don't need to change what you believe in um, to, to match someone else. Well, it's, it's true. And that, that is, I mean, submission is a huge thing in our LDS culture. Maybe it is with other faiths as well. Uh, but it's often said in our church that, you know, wives submit to your husbands, like literally those words. Now that doesn't mean that you, you know, stop having a voice, you stop having value, you stop contributing, you're an equal partner and you need to understand that. But again, I think it's taken out of context. People just think submissive is I have to do whatever my husband says all the time. Right. And then it's different when I say I'm going to submit to God though, that's hearkening to the voice of the Lord. And that's felt within us. And whenever I feel and experience that the Lord doesn't force us into that. He said, he lets us choose. And it's our choice of, am I going to submit to that? submit to his will, submit to what he wants. And that gets me out of suffering and puts me in a different place. Um, as opposed to you, he's never takes that choice away. What am I going to do once I hear that? No, they, they don't. But it's again, you know, the, this programming that happens, people just take that the wrong way. There's, there's lots of women who just, you know, submit, meaning they, they go along with whatever their husband says, even though they hate it, even though they don't agree right. with, they don't want to do this at all, but they and then they go to their bishop and the bishop says, you need to listen to your husband. And that's where resentment starts. And in a resentful marriage, it's never loving and, and no. hearts open and connected with that. No, it's not, it's not good at all. It's just, uh, it's understanding the, the concept of what submission means. And some wives may be opening up their minds going, wow, you mean I don't have to look at this and say, so let's say that like, this is one that comes up in therapy. Here's this wife's budget for the month. And she submits to it, but she knows it really isn't enough to do the things that she needs to, but she's afraid to go and ask for more. 
there's nothing that says you have to submit to that. It's always an open topic of, you know, here are the needs for our family. Let's sit down and look at it. And I feel like we need to, to change this or shift this. You always have the right to say that because money is for both of you. It doesn't matter if she stays home and he works, he may earn the money, but it's our money because we have an agreement that I stay home and you work. No, you're exactly. You're a partnership, and uh, you know, and, and you both have an equal vote. Uh, I'm, unfortunately, I think that you know, again, the culture just sort of gives the wrong impression of what submission really means, right. and, and, and that's it's sad. It's sad that but, it I mean, gets to that. You know, wives need to set those boundaries and say, no, I'm not going to submit wholeheartedly to the point where I don't have a voice anymore. That's not what submission no. is. Never. If your husband doesn't like it, I don't know, find a new husband. I'm just going to go throw that out there. <laughs> well, you got to work through it, but I mean, you can't be living like that. I would say let's, like work. let's jo- work. Joe's through. going a little ahead. Going extreme. The, yeah, going, a little going extreme. extreme. Going extreme. Just Communication's saying. the key. Yep. Communicating what I'm feeling and setting a boundary. And we're back to boundaries again and how they work. And setting a boundary with them is the feeling first, and we'll get into that. How do you set a boundary? And in expressing that and setting that with them and telling them, you know, here's where this is at. Because I'm experiencing this feeling, I know this boundary needs to be set. We can always count on you for a kinder, gentler Thank approach you. to all I, this. Thank you. I try really Thank hard. You for, for that. Our audience appreciates it. <laughs> uh, rough or smooth out my rough edges. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit. Okay. Last question you might be asking yourself. Aren't boundaries selfish? Ah. Well. Um, Actually, it's no. self-love. Yeah, it is. That, that's, but again, that question, if you're asking yourself that question, I think it's a mindset issue. Mm-hmm. Not a bad thing. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. I think you're just thinking in, in terms of the, the wrong idea. You kind of have to flip that on its head and look at it the other way. It's about self-love. So, so let me, let's, let's take this again into an example. Whenever my kids um, have something and another kid will ask for it. So let's say like my kid has a candy bar and the other one says, can I have a bite of your candy bar? And they say, no, I'm going to eat it myself. That's my boundary. Well, that's selfish. Actually, it's not because they have every right if it's their candy bar to choose to have the whole thing. And it's them pointing a finger and saying you're selfish because what, I want my way. It, it's it's up to them to choose. And, and whenever you ask, no is an okay answer. And, and for you to be able to say, well, it's yours and that's your choice. Well, it is. And the other kids being selfish because they want some of the candy bar when it says like, go get your own candy bar kind of right. thing. Right. But they, that other person is being selfish. And that is the concern people have is when, when someone reacts that way, people believe it. It's like, oh, I am being selfish, you know, because right. just because someone says doubt. something, they start to doubt. But they withhold their love again. And that's where they learn like, oh, and I didn't share my candy bar and they don't love me as much anymore. But it, now who's, who has the greater sin at that point? Right. It, it, and it's, you know, if you're withholding your love because someone told you no, then that, that to me is one of these things of, wow, that someone can't set a boundary with you because now you start to withhold something that is connecting you and you cut it off, and that's where people become jaded, alone, grouchy, Cut that resentful. person out of your life. That's my solution. <laughs> Again, maybe that's That's extreme. why Joe is alone and lonely. <laughs> that's why I'm al- alone and lonely. Uh, wasn't it Kelly Clarkson that said, uh, just because I'm alone doesn't mean I'm lonely? I think a few people might have said that. <laughs> uh, but sometimes you are. But that's, this is not about me, people. This is not about me. I'm setting my own boundaries, and, <laughs> and it's all good. Uh, but, okay, so let's just wrap up here for this episode. Um, and uh, I think what we, uh, again, this, this episode is more about mindset because uh, boundaries are really a mindset. Setting healthy boundaries versus setting unhealthy boundaries or not setting boundaries is simply about mindset. And you can switch your mindset in a second. It's just a matter of having the right perspective and having uh, the knowledge and understanding that you can change your mindset. So um, the idea with boundaries 
are to keep in the good and let out the bad, right? So boundaries are not, this is an interesting analogy, boundaries are not walls that you cannot permeate through, you cannot see through, you cannot do anything with it. Think of them more like fences with gates. So the gates can open to let in all the good and, more importantly, let out the bad. This is where people need to heal. Right. They need to let out But they bad. can also keep the bad out. So I shut the gate well, so the wolf the, doesn't come in and well, eat exactly. my children. So it's or, a fence. Right. A picture of fence. I've been watching Yellowstone recently. Lots of fences in Yellowstone. Ooh, I couldn't get past. What? It's, a, it's a little too much killing for me. Oh, there's lots of killing, yeah. Yeah. In language, too. Yeah. Now that I think of it. But, but I do like Kevin Costner. Yeah, it's compelling. He's, it's a compel- he's, he's good in that great one. Great actor. Yeah. He's but good in that one for a little, sure. Yeah, little it's a little too much. It's killing. a compelling story. This is not a review of Yellowstone. <laughs> this episode, <laughs> but uh, lots of fences in there, of course, because it's all about uh, cowboys and ranches. And so uh, you picture fences. They're not walls. They're fences. So you can see through them. You can reach through them, right? But they do keep out things that they're for strength and they keep out uh, things. The fences are a very physical boundary. We have fences on a ranch, for example, to keep cattle in a field so the cattle don't wander. Right. And we're not taking away their freedom. We are, the boundaries are for their safety because if they wander out, they might drown in a river, they might get hit by a car, they might get eaten by a wolf or whatever the case is. But can the cows, can you get the cows out of the Sure. The, the, of and course that's you why can. You have that's a gate. why you have a gate. All right. these things. So think of boundaries in terms of fences versus walls. You are not putting walls up and blocking people out. You are simply setting a boundary where the fence. The other person's on the other side of the fence. You can still see them through the fence. You can talk to them through the fence, but they know where the boundary is. And if they're good and you want to let them in inside your fence, you can open the gate and they walk right in. Mm-hmm. And if something gets bad and you want to let them out, you open the gate and you kick them out. But the fence is still there to keep that boundary. So the idea in general is to keep bad things out and and keep the good things in and then also interchange those things to let good in and let bad out. And I think an important part when I teach boundaries is I choose. I have that fence. I choose who to open the gate for. They can't open the gate and force their way in. That's another interest. Like the cows can't open the gate themselves. But I, I choose, I have superiority in my space. Like I choose what to let into my life. I choose to watch the TV, listen to the music, to uh, allow certain things into my life. And, and I, I'm not forced, those things are never forced upon me. Nope. Think about boundaries in terms of um, they, uh, they're there to guard our treasures so that people can't steal them. Right, and your treasure is your heart, it's your virtue, it's your intelligence, it's your mindset, it's your um, everything about you that you feel is valuable. Uh-huh. Right, and and again, people will say, "Well, I have had boundaries that have been crossed." Yes, and that is abuse. Right, and there are laws, and people are put into jail for those things. And but if I'm holding a grudge against someone crossing a boundary, that tells me that I haven't set that boundary because again, once I set that, I let it, I let that go. You know, here's my boundary and I'm going to continue to have that. Why? Because I love that person. I don't want to feel those negative feelings against them again. And what about, um, you know, is there a need to reset a boundary if someone crosses it and they totally. don't understand it? It's okay to do that. It's okay to reset a boundary. And sometimes it's over and over and over. And that's whenever the, the fence becomes a wall. Sometimes right. it has to become a wall of, I have to cut you off because I've asked you and asked you and you continue to cross. And now I, I can't do that. Well, anymore. I have, I have that exact experience. Yep. Uh, you know, and it's sad, but ago. some people don't understand boundaries to where it has mm-hmm. to be that solid. Right. It was, and it was a matter of, setting a boundary and it was crossed and then resetting the boundary and it was crossed and then resetting and eventually putting up a wall. And it was literally a wall to yep. block and 
cut that person out because they wouldn't respect the boundary. So don't feel like you're bad or you're a failure if you set a boundary and people cross it. They will. If if people are not going to respect the boundary, they're either going to push back against it and and, and try and cross it, or they're going to just disappear out of your life because they don't like the boundary. Mm -hmm. But if they cross it, it's your job to reset that boundary and make it very clear and then if you have to build a wall eventually with that person then you build a wall again if people are crossing your boundaries they're hurting you they're not respecting those things they're not healthy in your life and the more that you accept that the more unhealthy that you can become you have to realize that and it's okay to set a boundary it's you're not hurting that person if they can't respect it they're the ones that are, are really hurting you yep Okay, great episode. Look at that. This is a great foundational episode for the boundaries topic. Uh, Next episode, we're going to get into more of the uh, types and examples of boundaries, as well as moving forward on how we can handle them and set them and how they look in our lives. All kinds of great stuff coming up on uh, these next uh, episodes in our series, our first series uh, episode here and uh, on boundaries. So uh, thank you once again. Welcome back. Thank you for your patience uh, with us. And uh, we are back and stronger than ever and very excited <laughs> to be here. And uh, we have uh, you know great plans for this podcast to continue. And uh, we do love your support and uh, want you guys to uh, to keep listening and sharing the podcast and giving us your feedback because we do want to know that it, it has uh, an impact in your life uh, in any way. So uh, we will see you soon on the next episode. In the meantime, keep your faith and keep your stick in the ice. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Prime, iHeartRadio, and wherever fine podcasts are sold.